Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. I want to just speak for a little bit tonight on uh, other tongues. Actually, I, I, I entitled this Clarifying Tongues. You know, I just, as I was praying uh, after Sunday, I was every, you know, as soon as Monday rolls around, you know you're going to preach, you got to start praying. And uh, I felt, I just felt a kind of a nudge in my spirit to talk about tongues, about praying in tongues. And uh, we, and just so happens we got an email from someone. It says, you know, I, I've, I've been to your church a, a couple of times, and uh, I notice you pray in tongues, but doesn't the Bible say that you have to interpret if you pray in tongues? And uh, it was a question, you know. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't feel like he was being uh, uh, legalistic, or he just really was interested in an answer. And so I kind of took that as confirmation. And I, so I, I emailed him back, and I said, uh, just I gave him a quick answer. I said, well, I'm going to be teaching on, on Wednesday night, so if you can't make it, maybe you can tune into Facebook and, and get it, and hopefully it'll clear some things up. So hallelujah. Praying in tongues. Amen. It's been a... a a topic of much discussion in the body of Christ because there's a whole, I would say most of the people in the body of Christ don't and, and don't really believe in it. You know, they, evangelicals don't, uh, Baptists don't. Uh, the only ones who are Pentecostals and we're the only ones that are right. So praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I can't help it if I'm right. I really believe it. I, you know, I'm not upset with people that don't. I just feel like you're missing out on something that God has for you. God has more for you than what you're, than what you're experiencing. And for some reason, and your doctrine doesn't allow you to participate in that. You know, it's, it's, it happens to people spontaneously. We had somebody who was working on our house years ago, probably, oh my gosh, 30, 35 years ago or whatever. And uh, he was a Baptist. He went to Baptist church. I can't even remember his name anymore. Uh, but I remember he told me this. He said, well, uh, someone invited me to go to the Assembly of God Church in Utica when Pastor Lisi was there. I don't know if you remember Pastor Lisi. This. And, uh, and it's in Maynard. And so he says, uh, we were there, and the, the music was wonderful. And they got into a time of worship, and everybody had their hands lifted up. And, and uh, I didn't want to seem like a stranger, so I lifted my hands. And next thing I know, I heard myself pr- singing in this funny language and he and he says and he shut it he was singing in tongues the spirit of god hit him he started singing in tongues and he but he shut it right down he's like oh i can't do that and and he said and i've never done it again i said did you ever do it again he said no never have i said well god wants that for you you know sometimes if you just give yourself to the spirit of god the spirit of god will start using you in that way but uh anyway let's look at uh first corinthians chapter uh 14 and uh, verse 5. Now, the Apostle Paul said, Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Hallelujah. That's Paul. Paul said, I, I wish you all spoke in tongues. So that you, it's what God has. God wants every one of us to be filled with the Spirit, to be born again, to be filled with the Spirit, and to speak in other tongues uh, as the Spirit gives utterance. 
And, uh, and then the Apostle Paul said in verse, in verse 18, I thank, I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. So he, he, he prayed in tongues a lot. And, but I want to I just uh, talk about the manifestation of it and how, it should be, how, it, how it's used in our own life. There's, there's a, a much misunderstanding uh, on this subject. And uh, I want to start tonight in Mark's, Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. Hallelujah. In Mark, chapter 16, is what we call the Great Commission. In verse, starting in verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has not believed shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Jesus said, as believers, that signs are supposed to follow us, and five in particular, and they're all supernatural. Casting out devils is, is supernatural. Speaking in a new tongue is supposed to be supernatural. Some people would say, well, that means that you don't swear, you don't talk dirty like you used to, you don't, you have, you don't have a foul mouth, you don't lie. Well, we should do that. I mean, God does change us in that way, but that's not what that's talking about. It's not talking about just a change in our language. It's talking about a new tongue. Speaking, the Bible says we're going to speak in other tongues. This signs will accompany those who have believed. They will speak in new tongues. Hallelujah. Most Christians don't speak in other tongues for different reasons. But the number one reason, I believe, is that, is that a lot, most of them believe it's not for today. They've been told it's not for today. There's been times in the body of Christ that people get what they call revelation. They think that God has told them something, and they, and they go with it. And because of that, the body of Christ has been split. I mean, how many... I can't, I can't count the number of denominations that we have in this country. There's hundreds of them, probably. Somebody got, a, somebody got a, a revelation. And I remember one in particular, that when the Pentecostal movement started at the beginning of the 1900s with the Azusa Street Revival, and you've, you've heard the Azusa Street Revival, well, there were some, some Pentecostal denominations that came out of that. One of them was the Assemblies of God. And the Assemblies of God was having... Uh, was growing and the doctrine was spreading, and but somebody in that church, in that in that, in that denom- somebody in that denomination got a revelation, and this was their revelation. God, he says, God showed me that God is not three persons. He's not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's one person that manifests in three different ways. So he's not three persons. And I believe I. Re- the Bible teaches very clear. There's a Father God, there's a Son that's God, and there's a Spirit that's God. And there's scriptures to me that I can't figure out if, if what this revelation is true. You know, if, for example, the Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
Well, if there isn't three persons, how can Jesus be seated at the right hand of the Father? When Jesus was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit came as a dove, Jesus was in the water, and the Father spoke. So there's three. But what, what they said was, no, it's like he's one, like I'm one. I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I'm a son. So I could be three. I could be a son, I could be a father, and I could be a husband, but I'm still just one person. But the Bible says it's three persons. And that, cre that created a huge division in, in that denomination. And to, to the point where uh, it got so heated that the group of what they call oneness Pentecostals, they, they get up and they left, you know, and the other group started singing, holy, 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 blessed trinity. I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was bad. But that's what the devil does. The devil comes with false doctrine that seems scriptural, and he, and he clouds the issue. And people believe today that speaking in tongues is not for today, and some people actually believe it's for the devil. And I, but I've, I've often wanted to say, listen, uh, I'm sorry, but for years I wasn't saved. I used to go to the bar with my wife, and so we'd go and we'd get drunk. And while I was drunk and partying and stuff, the devil never taught me to speak in tongues. Why didn't he teach me then? Why did he wait till I'm saved and teach me, to, and teach me how to speak in tongues? So it's not of the devil. It's of God, and God has it for us. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, you're going to, be, you're going to speak with new tongues. I see in the scriptures two separate experiences that God wants us to have with the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Jesus is conversing with a woman at the well of Samaria. And they get into discussion about water, about drinking water. And, uh, and Jesus answered in verse 13, he said, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life. <coughs> Excuse me, I've had this little tickle in my throat today. But Jesus is speaking with the woman, and he says, the, this, this well of water is going to spring up to everlasting life. And I really believe that that's talking about salvation, when it talks about something springing up in us to everlasting life. But then Jesus talked about a different experience in John chapter 7. And in John chapter 7, he said in verse 37, he says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he said there's two experiences. One of them is, a, is going to be the Holy Spirit is going to be like a well of water in you, but there's going to be another experience where he's going to be rivers of water flowing out of you. And that's what happens when we're filled with the Spirit. In John chapter 20. In, the, in verse 19 it says, so when it was evening on that day, this is the first day that Jesus was raised from the dead, Easter Sunday. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut 
where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when he breathed on them and, they re- and, and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, my question is, what do you think they received? Well, I believe they received the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm just foolish enough to believe that. But if you get all the Holy Spirit you're going to get, and that's what some people are taught. They're taught that when you're, when you're saved, you get all the Holy Spirit in one, one uh, what's the word I'm looking for? One dose. You know, it's like boom. You get it all at once. But if that's the case, if you're going to get it all when you've been born again, then why was Acts chapter 2 and being filled with the Spirit necessary? Why did that have to happen? If you get it all at once, you don't need any, anything additional. But it happened that God had more for them. That's why Jesus, when he was about to ascend into heaven, instructed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for what the Father had promised, because there was more than just being born again. When Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, they were born again. But there was another experience that God had for them, to receive the power of the Spirit. It's what John the Baptist spoke about when he said, uh, when he talked about Jesus, and he said, he, "There's one coming. The, the thong of his sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will, he will fill. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You shall be baptized in Acts chapter five. Jesus said, "You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now." And then in Acts chapter two, I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite in the whole Bible. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Bible says, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is what God had for them. God wanted them to be filled with the Spirit and speaking with tongues. And, I'm, and I really believe when you look at the Scripture, if you just read it with, a, with an open mind, you'll find that God wants every one of us, every one of the believers, to be filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. After they were filled, Peter stood up and preached a message. And at the end of his message, it says in verse 37, Now, when they heard this, the people that were listening to Peter, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So see, it's two things again. He said, Repent, be baptized in the name for the forgiveness of your sins. That's that's the born-again experience. And once you've done that, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Well, I believe that refers to us. We're the ones that are afar off. 
We're, we're down the line. It's not just for the apostles. It's not just for the first church. It's for every believer. God wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with his power, so that you can do the deeds that God has called us to do and be the people that he's called us to be. Hallelujah. Two works of the Spirit. Born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we see it again in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ unto them. Now skip down to verse 12. So Philip goes to this city called Samaria and he begins to preach. And in verse 12 it says, But when they believed Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Now, were they born again? I believe they were. What did, it, what, did it, what did it say in Mark chapter 16? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, and what? And he who has believed and is baptized shall be saved. Well, it's, it's what it says right there. So they believe Philip and they were baptized. So they're born again. So they're saved and born again. They have the spirit of God in them, to, but they don't have the fullness that God wants for them. And it says, now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any one of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they began laying hands on them, they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So God has two experiences, born again and filled with the Spirit. And we see it over and over again in the Scriptures. In Acts chapter 19, you don't have to go there. The Apostle Paul came to Ephesus and met some people that he called themselves disciples. And, one of the, and the first question he asked them, I, I love this, the first question that Paul said to him is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In other words, you call yourself believers? Yeah, that's great, you're believers. But did you get the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Paul wanted them to have the both. He wanted them to have the wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So what about this thing we call tongues? Turn with me back again to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I just want to hit a few uh, high points, you might say. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In verse 14. The Apostle Paul writes, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. One thing you have to understand about tongues is it's, it's not just for a message. Tongues, it's a prayer. It's a prayer language. For if I pray in the spirit, if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. So the reason why I think people get confused is they don't understand the different ways that the Spirit manifests. One of them is in prayer. In other words, a prayer, a prayer, if you just watch, just watch me for a second, it won't, a prayer is out of my spirit to God. It's, it's, it's this way. When we pray, we pray out of our spirit to God. And that's what, we can pray in the Spirit. 
So we can pray in the Holy Ghost. And it's not, it doesn't have to be interpreted because it's not a message. A message is when, we, is when something comes down from God through a person to a group. So it's this way and not this way. Everybody can do this, but not everyone does this. Yeah, yeah. I pray in tongues a lot. I've never been used to give a message in tongues. I've never. But I pray in tongues every day. I pray in tongues on purpose. The Bible says that when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. You build yourself up. It's one of the principal benefits of praying in tongues is that you're praying beyond yourself. You don't, you don't have to understand. Your mind is unfruitful. You just give yourself to God and let him and pray. And you can pray the perfect will of God. You can pray something that you don't even know you want to, you want to pray. I, I love it. I listened to Lance Walnow. Thank you. <laughs> this, forgive me. I was almost going to say Walnut. Lance Walnow wrote a book about Trump becoming president before he was ever elected the first time. And God kind of moved him into, into the political realm and started giving him favor and he started having meetings with some of these high-ranking political officials. And he, and he, said, to, he said, God, I, I, don't, I don't really want this. Why are you moving me into this area? You know what the Lord said to him? God said, well, you've been asking me to do it every day for the last six months. He said, what do you mean I've been asking you to do it every day? He said, whenever you pray in tongues, you're saying, God, get me involved in this election. Let me help. Let me help. And so he was praying beyond himself. His mind didn't want to do that. His mind wouldn't think to do it. But in the spirit, the spirit was praying the perfect will of God through him. That's what the Bible says. The spirit makes intercession for us with groanings too deep. When we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Bible says, when I don't know how to pray for a certain situation, we pray in tongues and we give it to God. We say, God, I pray for that person and their sickness or whatever. And because it's a prayer language, you can do everything in tongues that you can in English. You can intercede in tongues. Father, I pray for a certain individual. I pray for a certain situation. And then you go over in tongues and you pray and you pray and you give it to God. You can do warfare in tongues. You know, I bind this thing in Jesus' name. And then you go into the realm of the Spirit and you pray in tongues. You can worship in tongues. You can make supplication in tongues. I mean, it's English and tongues. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, "My, my I, I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll pray with my understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit. I'll sing with my understanding. So this, this, is, this is totally apart from giving a message in tongues. This is just a, a life in the Spirit, praying, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, letting the Spirit of God build you up, hallelujah, and, and cause you to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, sensitive to the voice of God. When you pray in tongues, you become more sensitive to the things in the Spirit. I remember Norval Hayes said one time, he went over to Kenneth Hagin's house, and, he, and uh, he walked in, greeted Mrs. Hagen, and Mrs. Hagen said, oh, Kenneth's over in the living room. And he said, he's, he's been there for a couple of hours, but he, he'd been sitting on the living room floor just praying in tongues for two hours, just tuning into the Spirit, just being sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. So I think people, under, people get confused. They think if I speak in tongues, that has to be interpreted. No, the Apostle Paul talks about that a little bit later in that chapter. Turn with me. In verse, look in verse 26 of that same chapter. And in chapter 14, I just want to say this. Every, every, I've, I've read 
commentaries I've heard people say, chapter 14, Paul is teaching about tongues. No, he's not. Paul is teaching about the church being edified, and he includes tongues as part of that uh, process of edifying the people in the church. And he says this in verse 26. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, when you get to... Now he's talking about not just me praying in, in the Spirit. He's talking about gathering together with others in, a, in what we would call a service. Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. See, that's, that, this is Paul's main point here. He's talking about having the church edified, built up, made stronger in Jesus' name. If anyone speaks in a tongue... Now, this is not just praying in tongues. This is speaking a message in tongues. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there's no interpreter, he must keep silent in, this, in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So there, whenever, whenever that happens, and, it, <clears throat> and when it does, uh, how do I say this? When someone brings forth a message in tongues, to me, you, you can you just sense immediately that it's not just a prayer going up to God. That it's that there's a, a force behind it. There's a level of anointing on it that's different than just a, a prayer, and that should be interpreted. And if there's no interpreter, then you can you keep silent in the church. You know what? Sometimes somebody might let one go that should have been interpreted, and it doesn't get interpreted. It's not the end of the world. People are well intended. We we all make mistakes from time to time. But that's, that's the difference. One is a message this way. The other one is a prayer this way. And we can all do this, but we may not all do this. See what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? In verse 28, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, secondarily prophets, Third, teachers, then miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? What's the answer to that? The answer is no. But it's not talking about an individual praying in tongues. It's talking about God using an individual in the gift of tongues and interpretation. And in that case, no. Not everyone is an apostle. Not everyone is a prophet. Not everyone is a teacher. Not everyone has gifts of healings. And not, and not everyone is used in, a, in speaking a message in tongues. But we can all be used in praying in tongues. And one of the scriptures that sometimes people quote in verse in chapter 13 in verse 9 for we know in part we prophesy in part the Bible says but when the perfect comes the partial will be done away when I was a child I used to speak like a child think like a child reason like a child when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Oh, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I missed that verse. Go back up to verse number eight. That's what I want. Love never fails. 
but there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. So I've heard people say, see, the Bible says if there are tongues, they're going to cease. And I thought, yeah, but when? When are they, they going to cease? When the perfect comes. Well, and they say the perfect is the Bible. So when the Bible was for, began to be published, the scriptures began to be written, we, we did away with tongues. But it says knowledge will cease. Knowledge hasn't ceased. Prophecy hasn't ceased. The Spirit hasn't ceased. I really believe the perfect is when the kingdom of God comes on the earth. When the kingdom of God comes, these things will be done away with. And it says, we'll see clearly. Now we see dimly, but then we'll see clearly when the kingdom of God comes. So as long as the church is on the earth, before Jesus returns, the gifts of the Spirit are for us today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for us today. And God wants every one of us to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues on purpose every day. Build yourself up. Use it. It's a language. God's given it to us. And God will make you sensitive to the Spirit. You'll hear His voice more clearly. You'll pray effectively. And God will use you in a greater way. So I just want to put that out tonight. If you, if you, if you feel the Spirit, pray in tongues on purpose every day. Do it. I just encourage you. I think Jim Jorgensen said that when he was here. He said, pray in, pray in tongues on purpose every day. He said, it's, it's, it's essential. It helps us so much. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, if you don't speak in tongues, go after it in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's Word and that you be filled with His love and strength as you daily serve Him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry, and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.